Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison, reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Candleland supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Canadaland shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our podcasts. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you. Basically nothing costs $2 anymore. You could like get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that cheap and I'm not getting far. So sign up for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. This episode of Wag the Doug is brought to you by Small Batch Dispatch. Father's Day's coming up. You know it'd be a great gift? What? A beer subscription. Small Batch Dispatch sources some of the freshest small batch brews from the province of Ontario and delivers them right to your door every month. Go to smallbatchdispatch.com and use the discount code DUG to get 10% off your next purchase. So it seems we've not done an episode about the environment. Yeah, I think we're getting over the past months like a clear look at what the Ontario PC government's sort of environmental agenda is going to look like. Recently, the Ford government has made changes to the Endangered Species Act. They've ended a tree planting program, which might result in nurseries having to destroy millions of saplings they raised from seeds. They have ripped electric vehicle chargers out of the ground at GO stations, and this is all in addition to fighting and cancelling carbon pricing programs, both provincially and nationally. Oh, 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 but they have announced that they will have Ontario's first ever Provincial Day of Action to fight litter. From where I sit, it looks like the Ford government's not only not working to prevent climate change, it's doing things to actively destroy the environment and to make it harder for future governments to control emissions. So much like the first X-Files movie, it sounds like Doug Ford is looking to fight the future. I look forward to hearing more about that. We're also going to look at how some of Doug Ford's biggest cheerleaders are reacting to some of these policies. And one glimmer of hope on the horizon. 
I'm Jonathan Goldsby, the news editor at Canada Land. I'm Allison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park Today. And this is Wag the Doug, a pop-up podcast about Doug Ford. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So in the last episode, we were in the provincial budget lockup, which, as we sort of described, is somewhere between a Hollywood junket and jury duty because it's a really controlled experience. And you're getting basically the message that the government wants to feed to you and not a whole lot else. And you have to sort of parse that and parse this big glossy booklet. As these things are packaged and as they're presented, they're done in a way to deliberately deflect and obscure what the real impacts of very real, very specific funding decisions are. And since the budget and since the lockup, since it was released, pretty much every day sometimes twice a day, has been another revelation of another program or initiative that people somewhere in this province, often in Toronto, rely upon in often very crucial ways. With these Ford cuts to Toronto public health, Torontonians will die. The government slashed funding for Southern Ontario Library Service and Ontario Library Service North by half. A massive turnout here at Queen's Park this afternoon. Over 10,000 teachers, students and parents gathered here protesting education reforms by the Ford government. One of the things that is being hit pretty hard is the environment. That ministry, its budget, we saw in in the document on you know one of the one of the back pages, it was going to be cut from nine hundred eighty three million dollars its budget to six hundred thirty one million, which is a third of the budget. And the natural resources and forestry ministry was getting uh, not quite as big of a cut, but also still quite a, a heady one from $834 million to $672 million. So that's about 20% of its budget. So, you know, that doesn't look like much when it's, those are, you know, four numbers on a page in very small font in a document that's 300 pages long. But now, you know, we're, we're starting to see where that money's coming from. So one of the very first cuts we found out from the budget was a cuts to conservation authorities. There's going to be cuts to how much money they had to do flood management work. So in places like the city of London or basically anywhere, somebody's in charge of making sure the river doesn't overflow or to do certain things that might prevent the river from overflowing next year. And this funding was cut in half. 
of course, since April 16th. Of course, rain, a big concern for the Ontario communities already under states of emergency. For more on the situation on the ground, we're joined by Lieutenant Colonel... Very large swaths of the province have been sunk underwater. Uh, Lots of cottage country, lots of the Ottawa region. It was declared an emergency in a few places. So I think this was kind of... A swift kick in the ass, we'll say, for the for the Ford government to, you know, just think that these are line items that can be cut and dashed without really taking consideration. Sure, that didn't affect this year's flooding, mm. but who knows? Like, there's people in charge of this stuff for a reason. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, you know, a, a pretty good way to look at or to think about the Ford project in government is, you know, for them, uh, for him, it's largely about immediate and or tangible outcomes. Otherwise, it is quite likely a waste. Right. And I'll say that since the floods, and this was actually uh, just came out earlier this week, they're now launching an internal task force to, I guess, consult with people in the actual areas that got flooded this year and maybe come up with strategies for preventing that. But again, that's like cleaning up the mess while still simultaneously, you know, cutting the people that were going or the funding that was going to sort of try to prevent this sort of stuff. So it's a listing tour. Right. Exactly. It appeases people in these communities who are pissed off, but what will actually come out of that? And again, like simultaneously, if we're just like talking about making things worse, which I think can kind of be the theme of this episode, they are cutting this 50 million tree program, which was started in in 2008 uh, under then Premier Dalton McGuinty. They're planting millions of trees every year. The government's paying to do this. They go in the forest. They go in urban areas. They go on people's private property. The idea is just to increase forest cover in the province. One of the benefits of this is, well, A, like trapping CO2, B, it is preventing erosion and soil runoff and flooding, flooding. (laughs) Back in 2011, when Doug Ford was trying to sort of figuratively and then if he had his way literally bulldoze over the city's plans for uh, mixed-use development of Toronto's Portlands and to replace that with a mega mall or something to that effect, uh, his brother defended it, basically saying, uh, not basically saying, saying, according to the star, you don't get jobs having 400 acres of parkland. Parks are beautiful. We have tons of parks, but unfortunately, that tree can't employ anybody. Well, and he's going after trees again this week with the with the funding battle with the city, sort of saying that the the city just wastes money. What does he say? Watering tree stumps, I think, was what he was saying in the legislature yesterday. So then what came out of this is that they're going to cancel this million trees, 50 million tree program, which is ironic because now Speaker Ted Arnott, uh, a PC member a couple years ago when he was in opposition actually put forward a motion asking the then liberal government to make it a 150 million tree program. So this isn't something the PCs were inherently against. Needless to say, they appear to be now. Um, but what's sort of one of the details that came out of this that I think really struck a chord with a lot of people in, in the public is that there are these nurseries that grow the trees for this program that are now going to have to destroy millions of trees. The program's going to go until the end of this year, but you can't just plant trees 
that are too small to be planted. Like they're kind of they're at these different like sapling yeah. stages, mm-hmm. and they have to wait until they're ready. And you know, only one year's worth are ready, and so. The rest of them, I guess, are going to just, like, get burned? I don't know. Now we'll never know if the rest will grow up to employ people. They won't. (laughs) This episode of Wag the Dog is brought to you by Small Batch Dispatch. Small Batch Dispatch is a Canadian craft beer of the month club, sending out at least eight unique beers from eight unique breweries every month. These are offerings that you can only find at the brewery, including exclusive releases. Small Batch Dispatch is partnered with 30 different microbreweries across Ontario and offers a curated bottle shop that ships weekly. Father's Day is coming up, and I was thinking of getting my dad a t-shirt that said Oil Patch Daddy or one that said Conservative Dad, but now I think I might get him some beer. Small Batch Dispatch has included in their May 2019 pack a Blueberry Pancakes beer from Whippersnapper in Ottawa. The website describes it as a wheat ale infused with maple syrup and blueberries, which absolutely sounds like something I would like to try. It's the sort of thing I look for when I'm in the LCBO, but the LCBO usually doesn't carry stuff like this. I'm like imagining an amazing Father's Day just drinking that blueberry beer out on a sunny deck somewhere in Ontario. It's going to be great. Shipping is Canada-wide. Go to smallbatchdispatch.com and use the discount code DUG, that's D-O-U-G, the proper noun, not the past tense of dig, to get 10% off your next purchase. That's smallbatchdispatch.com, discount code DUG, for 10% off your first order. These folks can't go through this every single year. I think it was 2017 that happened, and they they say it's 100-year storms. Well, well, you know, it's a few years later, and we're back in the same boat. What does that tell us? Uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is insinuating this is 100-year floods are happening two years apart because of climate change. What do you think? Well, I'm I'm a strong believer in in that, and and obviously you can you can see it. I think all of us are the same. How you doing, my friend? Uh, you're the same vintage as I am, I'm just simple as when we went to school. Snow used to be that high. Where's the snow now? So something's going on, and uh, we have to be conscious of it. What is your message to Ottawa right now? So we have to be conscious of it. We don't have to do anything about it. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's more of, a, of an acknowledgement than I have previously heard from him. I guess we're at least at a stage where even people who might otherwise be fairly intransigent are acknowledging that something is different, but if only they could figure out what and why and how to do things to fix it. Right. He kind of is like this sort of chummy anecdote, like the snow used to be this high. Where's the snow now? But I mean, politicians do this. I mean, it reminds me of like poverty or something. You know, every politician's going to say, yes, poverty is a problem. Mm-hmm. But are you actively doing anything to alleviate that? Like conservative politicians, I think, in Canada and, and, and other places as well, have realized that they look like kooks if they start denying climate change. So it's sort of become the like party line and sort of baseline that you definitely don't deny it, which I'm not saying Ford does uh, in his heart of hearts. I have no idea. But, you know, it's become um, a line that shouldn't be crossed. So you you might acknowledge that that climate change is real, but would Ford acknowledge 
all of the traffic on the 401 contributes to climate change or are the gas pumps, right? Which is inherently true, right? The basis of climate change is is greenhouse gas emissions, which are coming from, you know, the gas pumps that he so beloves and obsesses about. I mean, I'll never forget, and I wish I had, fucking wish I had audio of this, on election night at the Congress Center where, you know, they're playing CP24 or CTV or whatever on the big screens with the audio. And... Mike Schreiner was giving his victory speech and he mentioned something about climate change being real and, you know, a considerable portion of the room booed. And I mean, I can't believe we haven't had an episode on climate change and the carbon tax yet, right? Because this is just, in and we knew it at the time, but in hindsight, it seems even more important the way that Doug Ford just right out the gate when he became a PC leadership candidate and all the way through the election campaign, campaigned so hard against the carbon tax in Ontario, which at the time wasn't even a carbon tax. It was a, uh, a cap and trade pricing system. And, you know, just really, really made that his marker. And now we've seen this, you know, happening across the country with Jason Kenney, who was just elected premier of Alberta, uh, Scott Moe in Saskatchewan. And we're going to see just watch this shift in the next months leading up to the federal election. This whole thing is just going to go completely nationwide. And Andrew Scheer is going to run on the exact same thing because the playbook's been made. And we know that fighting the carbon tax gets you elected as a conservative politician in Canada. Certainly in the run up to the last election, one of the key things that opponents of the Liberals, whether it's Ontario Proud or Ontario PCs, you know, certainly seized on and hammered on repeatedly was energy prices, electricity prices, home heating and such. Which, in fairness, did go up because of environmentalism under the Liberals and under Dalton McGinty and Kathleen Wynne because they put through big green energy programs, which were expensive, uh, which is like solar power and wind power and and, and generating energy that way. But mostly they closed the coal-fired plants, which has made Ontario's air significantly cleaner, has reduced the province's emissions by a whole, whole whack. But I wish which the conservatives more or less take credit for. Now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. If and now the, at- the conservatives are taking credit for it. And when they're talking about why the PCs right now don't need to have a like very much of a climate change plan, which they they really don't, they say because Ontario has already done its fair share, which was closing the plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the uh, the new anti carbon tax ad from the PCs. The federal government is charging you a carbon tax. You're paying a nickel more per liter. A carbon tax isn't the only way to fight climate change. Learn more about our plan. Gives a link to Ontario.ca slash environment plan to you know, find out what we're doing to help the climate and such. And, such. and you know, if you look at the, the top stuff on the page is stuff the Liberals did. Our environmental track record, two smog days in 2018, down from 53 in 2005. Good job, Ontario. Good job, PCs. Right. So the PCs made the big song and dance about canceling the carbon tax. But of course, uh, as is federal law in Canada, one was implemented on Ontario anyways at the beginning of April, which... 
they then made a subsequent song and dance uh, complaining about specifically about the price of taxing gasoline, uh, I think four or 4.4 cents every liter, uh, and and have since announced that we're going to have big stickers on every gas station informing every member of the public who uses a gas station that this is all Justin Trudeau's fault. Of course, there's also something very disingenuous about uh, that carbon tax ad that we talked about and our anti-carbon tax ad and about these stickers, which is that Justin Trudeau, as part of this whole carbon pricing system, and backstop that he's implemented, it includes a rebate to all families. It's estimated that the carbon tax will cost the average family 660 bucks a year, but you're going to get a $728 rebate from the feds on this, which is not something that the uh, Ontario's communicating in any of this material very well. I won't say that they're I'm lying, but they're they're leaving it out or making it harder to obtain that piece of the information. Yeah, so just as that's what an old saying that when when the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. I imagine it's a similar case that you know when you spent your the bulk of your career in the the sticker tag and label business, as Doug Ford has, every. Uh, surface looks curiously unadorned until it has uh, a sticker telling you what to think. Yeah, I was thinking about the logistics of these stickers. Like if Andrew Scheer becomes prime minister and axes that carbon tax, how are they going to get all these stickers off? Okay, so let's look at how this is playing out with people who are Doug Ford supporters. So Rocco Rossi, we mentioned him in our last episode because Jonathan had found, you'd found all of these quotes from him in the budget, sort of championing the the Ford team's pro-business policies. He was the most frequently quoted non-Ford in the provincial budget documents. Right. Which so, were littered with poll quotes from various people offering their broad endorsements of the Fordian agenda. One of those would be, you know, cutting red tape. That's what businesses want. They want to deal with less shit from the government. But Rocco Rossi and the Ontario Chamber of Commerce have come out against this sticker plan because they think the fines, which are up to $10,000 per day if you do not stick the stickers on, are too, too high. And they think that basically the whole exercise is unnecessary. So it's kind of rare for, and I think surprising, that they maybe kind of stepped on the Ford's feet a little bit or the Ford government's feet a little bit with this. But I don't know whether or not other people care. You won't believe it, but not everyone listens to podcasts. Some people still turn on commercial talk radio. This is what their version of Wag the Dunk sounds like. Look, I agree with Rocco. Uh, it's unfortunate that they're resorting to that because, of course, I generally support the Ford Tory government. I think they're doing a lot of great things. And but you look, agree not, with the Ford government on the concept that your gas has gone up because yes, of Yes, and people should know about it, and the yeah. Tory government should let people know about it, but they should not force business owners to have another costly regulation, however minimal the cost is, or to force them to do anything. It's essentially a bit of a freedom of speech issue. Gas owners should not be required to put up propaganda for anybody. 
Yeah, I agree. Jerry, I mean, you must be furious about this, right? I mean, you're somebody who constantly advocates for people, for, for governments to spend tax dollars wisely. And here you have a government using not just tax dollars, but also regulations to force businesses to deliver a political message. Yeah, I, I, I'm not as furious as you might think simply because I don't think it's a political message. I think mm-hmm. it's informational. Have you seen this? It is a have fact. You, okay. Okay. So, the yes. increased cost is a fact. It's not a political notion. There's no question. But have you seen okay. this sticker? It is political you, as well you, as big information. It is political. Actually, I guess the reason I'm not as upset about it, Nina, is because I've always advocated that we have a sticker that makes sure in great big numbers, the average person, every time they buy a liter of gasoline, knows how much of that is tax. So that's basically that's the sort of thing you hear if you tune into News Talk 1010 between 9 and noon. That's a very, fairly... Straightforward sampling of the discourse, albeit in this case, guided by Jerry Agar, who I don't believe he still fills in for Ezra Levant on The Rebel, but he did for a while. So just as it's difficult to get a grasp of what Doug Ford and his supporters may be thinking, if you don't at least if you don't glance at the Toronto Sun, at least occasionally, you'd also don't get a sense of the entire cosmology, the entire world of ideas and reality such as it is that he operates in unless you listen to commercial talk radio now and again rob ford first became a you know a d-list toronto celebrity through his regular i think it was thursday morning appearances on am 640 and when he ran for mayor the people who were running his campaign were at least smart enough to realize that you know print media was never going to be their friend because print media you can parse what someone says and say whether it is true or not or accurate or not Whereas broadcast media, by and large, sound bites, very successful, very effective, and talk radio in particular, that's the form where you can just basically just say shit. And you certainly see this with, you know, the, the degree of reliance that Doug Ford has had on and his brother had on talk radio as a means of and particularly News Talk 1010 as a means of getting their message out. I mean, obviously they had a weekly radio show, a couple hours a week, every week for a couple years. Multiple people who work in the broader Ford administration are from News Talk 1010. I mean, there's obviously Lindsay Vanstone, the host of Ontario News Now. Dan Jacobs, who was who's now the uh, chief of staff for Michael Tobolo, the minister of tourism and culture. And it was previously chief of staff to Rob Ford. But before all that, he was the producer of the Ford's radio show. Is he, he the was, DJ too? He is the DJ, double DJ. Uh, yeah, double DJ services. I'm not sure if he still spins, but his company is still active. And uh, but I imagine you could make a special request if you'd like him to play your wedding or bar mitzvah. But yeah, oh. no, he was a part time news talk producer. And uh, Justine Lakovich, who was another longtime reporter news talk, does comms for John Yakubuski, the natural resources and forestry minister. So you mentioned Ontario News Now, which is, uh, you know, the new broadcast arm, if we're talking about broadcasting. Um, do you think all our listeners know what that is? Jeez, uh, I would hope. It's weird to think that we actually haven't, it hasn't come up in an episode before, at least not one that we've aired. But it is the you know the the Ford government's in-house propaganda service where they make little video clips hosted by this former news talk producer, and they just get their message out in little segments of a couple minutes that are packaged as though they were interviews. You know, yeah, as though they were interviews, as though they were like shitty little segments on CP24 that you'd see you'd ha- catch out of the corner of your eye in the dentist waiting room, or maybe not the dentist because. 
that's a lot of you know. uh yeah no they're, they're, they're basically little things that are packaged to resemble the sort of news clips in which the fords frankly would excel anyway but of course it's even more managed and is basically it's, it's propaganda it's government messaging thinly disguised to look like something produced by some quasi-legitimate third party I mean, it existed in the election campaign, and I think people were more surprised when it carried over. Uh, it's now being funded by the the PC's caucus services budget, which is taxpayer money, right? The PC caucus gets cash to run itself because, you know, it needs staff and it needs paper and it needs whatever. It needs these videos, uh, evidently. But what it's done is has has prevented Doug Ford from needing to, as premier of the province, really, you know, engage with the media or or answer questions in in an unfiltered manner. He hasn't held a press conference in in quite some time where he's taken questions. And I think he's sidestepping it using this method. So, So they're spending money to ostensibly not let's get like back on the climate train again and the environment train is that they're spending this 30 million dollars to pursue uh, all of these uh, actions to fight against the federal carbon tax so assumably the stickers are, are part of that lump of money I don't we don't know that but what is is the the court challenge. Uh, Saskatchewan just had a court challenge against it. Ontario's is being, as they've delivered their arguments and we're waiting for the ruling, uh, it should probably come fairly soon. However, the judges in Saskatchewan found in favor of the federal government, uh, three to two. So now that's getting appealed to the Supreme Court. I think it's fairly likely that the same was going to happen with Ontario's. Manitoba just filed one. I'm not 100% clear why they jumped in so late. I think New Brunswick has maybe said they're going to. Alberta's thinking about it. So there is just, you know, we're just now studying, you know, taking to the Supreme Court the idea of whether or not the federal government has the right to tax the provinces when most legal opinions have said it's it's very clear that there's a precedent for this uh, as the federal government collects taxes from the provinces already. But I really wanted to talk about the wolves and the turtles and the foxes and the barn owls. Oh, so I, and then my mind was imagining all the animal sounds we could play there, like, <laughs> or we could play like a hinterland who's who opening. Uh, yes. What is it? What is it about the wolves and the barn owls and the turtles and the whatever other creature you may have mentioned? The gray foxes. Oh. <laughs> So another recent thing the Doug Ford government has done on the environmental front that has raised people's ire is has to do with Bill 108, the More Homes, More Choice Act. Ostensibly, it's a bill that's going to make it easier for developers to build new homes. The the bill which... Um, Again, I say very notably, this part of it came out separate from the budget. This is not included in the budget. It includes a bunch of changes to the Endangered Species Act, which uh, lots of people have characterized as pandering to developers, which we know uh, have been big contributors to the the PCs mm-hmm. um, yeah. as well as pro-PC a organizations. Core element, a, core, a core element of their constituency. Sure. 
So Environment Minister Rod Phillips got up in the media studio, like, I feel like it was just like days after the budget. It was not long at all to announce these changes. And to me, it was such a, like, dog whistle to the developers that he would do this completely separately from the budget. If they wanted to hide these Endangered Species Act changes, they could have buried it. As we've said, it's easy to bury stuff in there. But he was like, we're making these changes now Mm. and we have to do it to build more homes and get rid of red tape or whatever. So what the actual elements of uh, these changes to the Endangered Species Acts do, I think first and foremost, they call it the, I think the Green Party and other uh, environmentalists and conservationists are calling it the pay to slay rule, which literally allows developers who want to build somewhere where there's endangered species habitat or no longer have to basically have to worry about that. Instead, they just kind of pay a little bit of money into this fund, which will then be distributed to like other conservation efforts. We have no idea how much money, but a lot of people are saying it makes the Endangered Species Act moot because, you know, deep pocket companies are the ones that really would put the animals and habitat at risk, right? Like I, myself as a private citizen, I could still get fined under the Endangered Species Act if I, you know, step on a turtle, but I'm not my uh, myself very capable of destroying mm. a lot of habitat. Also, if a species is endangered in Ontario, but there happens to be lots of them somewhere else in North America, they no longer are going to be required to be protected. So if we have lots of or not very many gray foxes here, but, you know, there's a lot of them in Delaware, Mm. then they're no longer considered an endangered species and therefore won't require the same protections, which is, to me, insane. Like, what? That makes no sense at all. It's a great way to sustain an ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the bill, I believe, came the same week um, as... The United Nations released that much publicized report about how one million species worldwide are uh, threatened with extinction and, you know, and could be extinct by 2050. And like we're kind of at this like precipice of complete wildlife and uh, habitat destruction worldwide and you know here in Ontario we're just going to throw any sort of protections you know to the wind so as often becomes the case this discussion of the environment and climate change and government's actions and more importantly inactions towards those things has become depressing But you mentioned something, Allison, earlier, uh, just before we actually recorded, uh, that to my own embarrassment, I wasn't aware of, and that there's like there are recurring, semi-regular climate protests outside Queens Park. I hadn't, like, you know, I realized there's stuff happens, but I hadn't realized it was there would actually become a a recurring event. Yeah, there's been quite a few this spring. There's an organization called Fridays for Future. Uh, I think something else called Climate Fast. These groups have been have been gathering to protest changes to, uh, I think, carbon pricing in, in general. And it's quite it's quite predominantly young people that are out there doing that, which I don't think is something we've seen regularly before. I mean, it's certainly very 
It's both not surprising and deeply encouraging that those who will be alive in the future feel they have the greatest stake in it and, you know, are taking action or to advocate for, um, you know, the the ability to live is, generally speaking, a good thing. There definitely seems to be a strong, growing movement of climate activists and climate activism that finally, finally seems on the cusp of achieving this critical mass to influence the discourse, the broader public discourse, in really meaningful, gigantic, profound ways. I mean, I guess. And, you know, change is always like one step forward, two steps back, especially like something you know, massive change that is going to be required to to battle climate change. But like Justin Trudeau won his election in 2015 on the merits of like taking climate action. And now he's going to be defeated potentially, you know, by this sort of uprise of people that now are so against that. And it's like, is there going to be enough of a youth movement to like get Trudeau reelected? Like, I don't know. But no, I mean, the enthusiasm gap there is not is insurmountable. Right. So it's like but... we had the enthusiasm sort of that you're, you're talking about. And, you know, the political will when a bunch of provinces did implement carbon taxes. I mean, British Columbia has had a carbon tax for a decade, but there's just this backlash against it because it's politically viable without any real regard for the people of the future. But the Internet, the Internet in general and social media in particular is excellent at facilitating anger and mobilizing it and turning it, allowing it to become something coherent or at least, um, at least return allowing it to coalesce into actual movements. And so, so far the right has been much more, generally much more effective about harnessing that. But I do think if you can build up the correct and proportionate degree of anger around climate policy, I don't know. There's, there really is nothing else to hold on to. Well, as depressing as that may sound, Jonathan, it, it might be the most hopeful I've ever heard you. Really? <laughs> that was Wag the Doug a show where we record with a soundboard full of Jonathan's size. I'm Allison Smith, and you can find me on Twitter at at Queens Park Today. I'm Jonathan Goldsby, and you can find me at Goldsby. Uh, that's also on Twitter, although you could just try shouting it out and seeing what happens. Our producer is Kevin Sexton. Our theme music is by Nathan Burley. With additional music by Kevin Sexton of the mid-2000s band The Impalers. We'll see you next month. Jen, there's an election coming up in the fall, and you may have noticed that Canadian politics has gotten a little bit bonkers recently. I mean, there's the SNC-Lavalin affair. Nazis are back now, I guess. There's Jason Kenney's civil war. Doug Ford is blowing up Ontario, and apparently PEI is now powered by fish. The point is, so much crazy shit is happening right now that it can be hard to keep up. That's why we're here. As the election looms, our podcast, Oppa, will keep you informed about the week in Canadian politics. Along the way, we're going to be speaking to Canada's top politicians, a whole bunch of the bottom ones, and everybody 
everybody in between. So listen to Oppo for all the twists and turns as the election comes. That is O-P-P-O, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.